I know that it's been a long day for each and every one of you all. I know people get concerned about the speakers. I thank you for your concern, but we know we need to be temperate, but uh, I get a second wind when God wants to speak to us, when I hear testimonies, when I hear what God is doing for his people, and there's no greater joy than hear that. And so forgive me if I lose sight of time sometime when I get caught up because, like I said, I used to be an athlete, and I can just imagine crowds of hundreds of people watching me run up and down a basketball court for hours and being thrilled with naked men running up and down the court, shooting a little object into a hoop. And when God came into my life, I traded a basketball for a Bible. Instead of going up and down a hardwood court, God has given my wife and I the privilege to go up the earth court. And I'm on a winning team. The best coach you can play for. Never lost a game. Are you with me? Isn't it good to be on a winning team? And so, since nobody rushed me to come to be my volunteer, there have been many people, there have been some, some I say I'd rather not because uh, some things were easy. Then there was a dear lady that came. She was a lamb in a thicket. But before I use her, I'm still going to open the door. Uh, but I want to share with you, before I get into the eight doctors, <coughs> very quickly, my testimony, how the Lord enabled me to overcome a 10-year battle with arthritis. I know you don't want to hear that, but I'm going to tell you that anyway. <laughs> You remember I share with you that when I was diagnosed at the age of 17 with that condition and when I went on to school and to pursue my career as an athlete, uh, my teen physician told me that there was no cure for that. And before I graduate from college, graduated from college, in my sophomore year, I, and this is just reflecting, I take no glory in this, but just show how God works. I did exceptionally well as a sophomore, that's mean two years in college. In my junior year, during the time I was in college, athletes in college or high school didn't stop their educational process to go into the pros. It's only now. But in my junior year, I was being drafted by a professional team in my junior year. However, it was to continue my college education. And my condition really got severe, and as I mentioned Friday, those two institutions, the NBA and the United States Army, was drafting me. <laughs> and as, some, as I shared with you last night, uh, the, the United States Army rejected me, and I was very happy and pleased with that. And my career with, uh, these, with basketball short-lived, short because my condition became more intensified that I could not even function hardly, couldn't function. And if I was not an athlete, I probably would have been in a wheelchair. I thrived off of adrenaline, adrenaline. You know, if you're an athlete, you go on adrenaline. You get a second win. And I have to be careful even in my Christian experience. Because most people say, you know, you, 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 keep, you got endurance. But I am, but I, I've given 150 meetings 
in a few weeks. So what I do tonight, or what I've done this weekend, is nothing but like an ink drop in the Atlantic Ocean. So anyway, so definitely I want to have that temperance. It was 23 years ago that I was led to open up the Bible for reason other than my health reason. Because the Lord impressed upon my heart that I was a lost man. And I turned to the only source that could free me. And that was the Lord. I grew up in a Christian home, but yet I rejected God. When I went to college, I became an infidel. And I got off into other things. My lovely wife, a fourth generation Lutheran, born and bred a Lutheran. 23 years ago, I remember that day I woke up after I found the answer to arthritis. I said, dear, the Lord has showed me. I know what I need to do to deal with this arthritis. She said, what are you going to do? I said, first of all, I've got to change the way I eat. And then I'm going to share with you how I come to that conclusion. She said, what are you going to do? What do you mean change the way you eat? Now, vegetarianism is, was Greek to us. Vegetarian. All they do is eat rabbit food, lettuce, <laughs> nothing else. It was 23 years ago. I didn't know anything. But see, during that time on the college campus, the fad of vegetarian was going through the college campus. And so God had that prepared because my first dish, someone from a college re shared a dish with me, became my main dish for a long time. And I told my wife, I'm going to change my eating habits, and I asked her, to join me. She said, what are you going to do? I said, well, I'm going to stop eating flesh food. Not Adventist. What was that? I didn't know anything about Adventism. Strange folks. I don't know nothing about Adventists. Now, when I look back on it, I used to work with Adventists, but praise God, at that time, God blinded me. I won't deal with that. But however, so I didn't know anything about Adventists. But I read... These presentations I've been sharing with you, the life of the flesh is in the blood. That stuck in my mind. I knew the spiritual implication of that. You understand what I'm saying? The spiritual implication. But, but the Holy Spirit was taking me to do some research on the biochemical aspect of the life of the flesh in the blood. And I was a heavy flesh eater. I love steak and and I don't know if you pronounce it right, filet mignon. I don't know. Potatoes, shrimp, you name it. I ate everything coming up except when I discovered there was an animal that I did not eat. How many heard of an outhouse or a dunning or a long drop? You know what an outhouse is? Anybody know what an outhouse in England? What you call it in England? Do they have them here in England? Outdoor toilets. Hmm? You know. Well, an outhouse is a little, you dig a hole and you put a house over it and you go and relieve yourself. In, 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 uh, in Australia and New Zealand, they call it the long drop or the thunder box. Okay? That's what they call it. Thunder box or the long drop. Outhouse. 
in the United States in the South. And, and you see, flies love to dwell in the outhouse. Flies. Frogs eat flies that love to live in the outhouse. Snakes eat frogs that eat flies that live in the outhouse. Pigs eat snakes that eat the frog that eat the flies that live in the outhouse. People eat the pig that eat the snake that eat the frog that eat the flies that live in the outhouse. Now, I've been to Papua New Guinea, and the pigs just run wild through the village, in the huts, a lot of parasites. So when I found out about the pig, because my family, my culture, if I can say that, love the pig from the snout to the tail. Pig snouts, pig ears, pig tail, trouts, you name it. Like in Jamaica, the brothers and sisters there, they eat mannish water. Any Jamaicans here? Mannish water. Those are the guts of the goat. In the, Bermuda, in the Bahamas, they eat conch, which is nothing but the snail. Hmm? They say that gives them potency. So cultures, you know, dictate to us. So I, did, I left the pig alone as a young man, and I started eating, like, beef bacon and turkey bacon. Life of the flesh is in the blood. The more blood that was in the, is in the flesh, as you know, more flavor. You know that, right? More blood, more flavor. That's why God said drain that blood. Now, when I was in college, I used to work in a packing house. And we got people today, Christians, some who are supposed to be reformers, said, well, you know, there's nothing wrong with eating flesh as long as you drain the blood. But no grocery store you go here, drain the blood. When you drain the blood of an animal, what color is it? It is white. It is white. And has no flavor, no taste to it. So I tell people, if you're going to eat the clean flesh, just eat it according to the Leviticus laws. Drain the blood. Are you following what I'm saying? Eat it within three days. <laughs> I found that was something in that blood of the animal that was creating a problem for me. You might have a sheet of paper. You can write this down on a sheet of paper. There's a word called purine. I call it purine. P-U-R-I-N-E. P-U-R-I-N-E. Purine or purine, okay? You take the P off of it, what do you have? You have urine. The byproduct of purine is uric acid. Uric acid causes calcium to be bound. We, some people end up with stones. Some end up with calcium deposit in the joints. So by me consuming foods that was high in purine, it produces an arthritic reaction. In this little jar, I carry some rocks. that have come from people that I have counseled. 
They wouldn't give me money. They just give me stones. And I, you can look at it, pass it around, but please give my stone back. Please don't drop my stone. You look at that. That's a stone. That is a gall stone. That's nothing. That's a drop. That's an ink spot in the ocean compared to what I've seen. I have seen. Uh, oh, you got. I've seen stones as brown as that top, crystal white. I have more stones in here. And I'm not going to pass it around. But anyway, you can't always see that. But that's a stone. There were over 100 stones in this person. Like this. This is a gallstone. This does not happen overnight. If you pardon my expression, while I am speaking, you might be getting stoned that this takes time to develop. Also, I have kidney stones in here that look like, like a coral rock. But you, if you look at the kidney stone, you'd think it was something that you went to the beach and picked it up. Uric acid, calcium. I call kidney stones arthritis of the kidneys. I call gallstones arthritis of the liver. It's just like cataracts. Cataracts is nothing but arthritis of the eyeballs. Calcium deposit. The body begins to protect itself. Uric acid. I didn't ever have stones, but my joints began to ache. Started off with bursitis. Bursitis. Come from a word called bursa. There's a sac. It's located here. There's a sac that's located here. That bursa carries a fluid called the synovial fluid. It lubricates the joint. When that fluid becomes solidified, crack, you know, it might save your life. And as an athlete, you get fluids on the knee and they drain the knee with the needle. But he's gonna come back. When Roy Vesey picked me up at the airport, if he picked me up 23 years ago in that little automobile, I wouldn't have made it an hour and a half driving like that. My joints would constantly ache. So I discovered that flesh food was contributing to my problem. Flesh food, high in purine. So I told my wife that I'm not going to touch Another piece of flesh food. You read in Leviticus 7.23, you read in um, Genesis 9, 3 and 5, do not eat the fat, do not eat the blood. You read that. This is nothing new. But I didn't have that understanding, but I did know when I studied biochemical, the biochemical process, that the flesh food was contributing to my problem. Now combine that with my stressful life. I lived a highly stressed life because remember, I'm making money. Combine that with going to bed unless I was in training at 1 and 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. 
Combine that with a lack of water. Because the only thing I drank was Gatorade and chocolate milk. Combine that with intemperance. Even though I may have weighed a little more in my younger days, but I ate one meal all day long. I love seafood. When I saw the food, I ate it. Seafood, eat it. Intemperance. Another thing that I found outside of flesh, my wife already showed you that, I love sugar. I ate sugar in my rice, sugar in my greens, sugar in my beans, sugar on the bread. I put sugar everywhere on my, except for my wife, because she's already sweet. <laughs> I'm glad she's not here right now. But I tell her this all the time. And I know every man bleeding white sugar bleeding sweet. Treat them like a queen, they treat you like a king. My wife is sweet. I love sugar. I found out that sugar not only affected my immune system, but sugar leached out calcium out of my joints through the urine. Are you following what I'm saying? That's what sugar did. Add that with Pepsi-Cola and Coca-Cola. Root beer, that was my favorite. And she already put chocolate on the board. Chocolate? I don't know. You know, my wife didn't tell you. She might tell you tomorrow. But we have an article from London paper. They have a candy bar, a store called Mars. Amen? You know about that? Did you hear about the Mars candy bar experience? About the rat? Oh, I, she didn't get a chance to share that with you? We have the article. Woman bought a, went to one of the stores in London, in London, bought a Mars candy bar, milky caramel, bit into it, discovered that she bit into a half a rat. <laughs> we got the article. But anyway, you, you remember we saw this. Look, look, protein. <laughs> I love chocolate. Now, that's more than two hair. That's right. It was a whole, it was a half of the rat. Well, she'll share that with me. Maybe I'll get it. Those will be around tomorrow. I love chocolate. Snickers, Peter Paul, Almond Joy, etc. Now, if you wrote down purine, I want you to write down another word underneath that. Theobromine. T-H-E-O-B-R. O-M-I-N-E. I know you know what that means, but I just want to show you something. Theobromine, which is a chemical substance in the chocolate that affects the central nervous system. Then uh, underneath there, I want you to write caffeine down. Caffeine. I just want to show you something. Underneath caffeine, I want you to write nicotine. Nicotine. Then underneath there, I want you to write cocaine. So you have purine, theobromine, you have caffeine, you have nicotine, you have cocaine. Now look at those words, and what do they have in common? The I-N-E ending. That is not a coincidence. When you understand that I-N-E, a protein molecule, that affects the central nervous system, all of those things are cousins. Theobromine, 
We look at people that snort cocaine, we say they are junkies. But here we eat Mars candy bar, we also are junkies. Cocaine will kill you quicker than theobromide. But theobromide also affects the central nervous system. Cocaine will kill you quicker than nicotine, but yet nicotine also affects the central nervous system. Nicotine does more damage than caffeine, but caffeine will also affect the central nervous system. And so I find that we had to get rid of those cousins, I-N-E cousins. So I got off of flesh food. I got off of sugar. A dear brother came up and asked me, which I appreciate that question. He said, Brother James, what is willpower? I told him that we do not have willpower. We have will. God has the power. Amen. And he understood. And I said, will is what I was sharing this morning, that that frontal lobe is where we make decisions. No one can do that but you. You must make a decision, and soon you become resolute. Soon you resolve in your mind that you want to do God's will. You can't explain the Holy Spirit. You only can experience it. But soon you make a decision that, hey, here's the sugar. I said, there's the sugar, there's the fruit. I found out that the sugar was killing me, basically, and I decide, made a choice to take that sugar out of my house. I literally took the sugar out of my house, opened the sugar bag, and poured the sugar in the garbage can. There's a reason for that. If I had put the sugar in the garbage can intact, I would have went back to get the sugar. <laughs> Are you following me? The choice <clears throat> is to get rid of the temptation. God gives us strength. I clean out my kitchen <clears throat> of the sugar. So my wife said to me, she said, <clears throat> honey, I am going to watch, <clears throat> watch you die. There's no way you can live without eating flesh food. I said, well, dear, I'm dying already. I gave up the milk, not only because it was high protein, as I was telling Tom, it's high in phosphorus, which neutralized the calcium in it that also create stones in calcium deposit. Cheese has a chemical substance called tyramine that affects the central nervous system, which the body cannot be, cannot metabolize. So I got rid of the cheese. Now what am I going to do? <clears throat> I don't have nobody to teach me how to cook. So God shared, <clears throat> well, I didn't know that, but I looked back, God brought an angel. <clears throat> and this young lady gave me a recipe for my first dish. It was a, a carrot loaf from granulated carrots, and breadcrumbs, and garlic, and sage. And I tell you, that was a life savior because it gave me some body. And that's my favorite dish. Two years, as I mentioned last night, my wife and I ate out of separate pots. You remember my wife mentioned death in the pot? <laughs> my wife is a good cook. She used to send me these nice lemon cakes to college. <laughs> One of the contributing causes of my problem, but however, <laughs> she would cook her food. Men, I would cook my food. The reason I'm bringing this out, sometime in a family, everybody might not want to go the same way. 
It's an individual choice. I did not badger my wife. I did not condemn my wife. I simply followed what I knew. I was a silent witness. My wife began to realize something was taking place in my life. She began to see that my energy level was increasing. My intellect was getting sharper. She noticed I didn't have no more pain. She was wondering, and this might, is going to be, you know, something that she was really dwelling, but she probably thought I was going to live longer than she was. <laughs> so she decided to come along with the program. Because <laughs> I didn't take out any insurance. <laughs> Only insurance. So two years. But within six months to a year, my condition went away. I didn't take, at that time, I didn't, think, uh, I didn't know anything about herbs or vitamins. And even today, I don't take vitamins. And I'm not knocking the vitamins, I don't take vitamins. By the way, I don't take anything. And I'm not saying you shouldn't, that's your prerogative. But if it ain't broke, why fix it? I don't believe you have to spend hundreds of dollars on vitamins. God didn't grow vitamins on the tree. <laughs> if I use a vitamin or herb, it's only therapeutic intervention. There are people spending hundreds of dollars on most vitamins that are not bioavailable. Now, what do I mean? That's a big word. That means you don't even use most of it in the first place. Okay? Anyway, if you want to hear the rest of my story, <clears throat> look commercial here, you can get the book. <laughs> I just want to share that a little bit with you. But the book, these books are user-friendly. It tells you. Now, in this book, we do put down here some natural remedies in here just to help the process. But when I was... Yeah, man. I stone. Let's put that. That's precious. But um, I didn't use any vitamins, any herbs. I simply changed my lifestyle. It was 180 degrees. I do not tell people to do what I did. I went through a seven-day fast. I never fasted in my life. I went through distilled water and lemon juice. I fasted for seven days. And you're talking about somebody that loved to eat and going through a fast. But you know what? When I fast, my taste bud changed. I relish natural foods. And you don't have to fast seven days. If you have an appetite problem, fast. Fast for a day or two. Fast for three days if you can afford fast. When people come to our health center, when they go through a cleansing program and a fasting, they relish the glad diet. We have people that love flesh food and they, they know they sick and they say, I don't know whether I'm going to be able to eat this vegetarian food. We don't say anything. But when they come off their fast, they're ready to eat everything. <laughs> Are you with me? They're ready to eat. And since there's no, since there's no cow there, they're going to have to eat what's there. And they learn to eat. If you have an appetite problem, fast. And so that's just my story. And I know we don't have much time, but we're going to briefly. I do want to talk about these eight doctors. Because these eight doctors saved my life. I didn't know these were eight doctors. I didn't know it was God's plan. But however, you remember we've been talking about the owner's manual. We're talking about the Bible. It's the great medical book. And I challenge you to definitely... Let the Bible become the man of your counselor. Fall in love. I know you do love the word, but relish this word. It is the greatest teacher that you can ever be exposed to. You know? We realize that God has given us instruction. Unfortunately, some of you guys did not get 
God's plan. And uh, if you cannot get it, 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 I know it's a lot encumbered upon them to uh, copy this. But I don't have, I know it's a long ways to send it. But if you can't get it, I don't, you know, those who have it, duplicate it and give it to a friend. Duplicate it and pass it to a friend, this program, basic program. Uh, we realize that in that package is this chart here. We found out this afternoon that there's a cause for everything, right? We discovered that. We also found out that we need to reason from cause to effect, and we gave a definition of disease. Now, since nobody volunteered, I, I'm going to have to use you. My dear lady who decided to come and at the last moment, everybody else refused. But she said, you know, she's doing pretty good, but she said she don't mind being used, right? Yes, come on, my dear. Come on, dear. She said, use her at the last resort. I tried to use you as a last resort. Okay. <laughs> I didn't want to, but everybody seemed to be stressed out. I, since I've been here, I probably didn't stress folks out. Uh, tell the folks your name. Um, my name is Eya. Where Eya, are you from? Eya Originally from Finland, but at the moment I live in Guildford. Lovely name. Now, Eya, you've been listening to this program, right? Now, Aya has a condition. What is your condition, Aya? Um, well, to be quite honest, I don't really know. About five years ago, when we came from Ethiopia, um, I had a little viral disease, sore throat, felt a little bit um, tired, well, actually very, very tired. And um, that was in the middle of a holiday. And so I thought, well, I'm going to rest a lot so that I can go and visit our relatives in Finland and Norway. So I rested for about a week and I didn't get better. After that I went to the doctor and um, when we came to England after that um, little holiday they went through all sorts of tests and couldn't find anything. So they said that it's probably chronic fatigue, you know, ME here in England. Mm -hmm. I think it's now called chronic fatigue syndrome as well. Okay, are you anybody familiar with ME and or chronic mm -hmm. fatigue syndrome? And uh, Symptoms, you know, definitely is always tiredness. Sometimes, in most people, there's a listlessness, you know, lack of concentration, feel drained, feel washed mm -hmm. out. And as they say that, you know, there's a viral uh, invasion of the body and, and that uh, is like mono, uh, you know, uh, they have another called the sleeping disease. Mm -hmm. But it is definitely a condition that is mainly misdiagnosed, too. And sometimes they cannot trace it. Also with chronic fatigue syndrome, that could be also what we call hypoglycemic. That could be coupled with that. You're familiar with hypoglycemia, aren't you? Well, they went through all these tests and said you can't find anything wrong now, with you at all. Let, let, me, <laughs> let me share about hypoglycemic. Hypoglycemic is a little different from hyperglycemic. Hyperglycemic gets into diabetes. Hyper. But hypoglycemic is one of the most misdiagnosed conditions. It, 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 um, it mimics a lot of conditions. You know what I mean by mimic? Uh, it has many faces, and they would never be able to diagnose. I work with people who have had hypoglycemic, and they were diagnosed and have mental disorders and placed in institution. They discovered that the people were not mentally in balance, that they had hypoglycemic. Why? Because when the blood sugar drops, level drops, it affects the brain, especially the frontal lobe. 
it creates, you know, you know, people can go into depression and fatigue. But anyway, we will use Aya. And since you're out there in the audience, as I go through this, check yourself out. You have a condition that some of the things I will share might not address, but it will give you a basic experience, I mean, a basic understanding. But Aya has this CFS, chronic fatigue syndrome. Well, as I said, I don't, don't really know, know but if I have it or not. But let us deal with her symptoms. I'm still a bit too tired, really. Let us build. Let's, let us say she don't have CFS. Hmm. I, what are you experiencing? Um, at the moment, it's not too bad. It started off with being so bad that just going upstairs, I had to sit in the middle of the stairs before going all the way up. And at the moment, I can do quite a lot of things, and most people wouldn't know that there's anything wrong with me. Mm -hmm. But if I do something which would be quite normal for somebody exerting mm -hmm. myself a little bit more than I should, staying up late, etc. Just about a month ago, um, I did that. I was also stupid because I knew I was eating too much one day. And usually I'm, I'm more regular than that. And I sort of, like you said, kept eating all day. This was for one day. <laughs> and I stayed up late. And um, I think that probably as a result of that, it took me about a week to get back to where I was before. And that was feeling so unwell that if I was sitting in the living room and something needed to be done in the kitchen, I really thought, oh, how am I going to get the strength to get to the kitchen? Now, let me ask this. Before you began to somewhat feel better, how um, did you feel prior to that? What were some of the things you experienced prior to that? You mean when I wasn't feeling well? That's right. Um, well, m most of all, really, this tiredness. You'd walk to, like, the end of this room and you would really feel physically sick from the exertion. And also I noticed that um, sometimes I would, when I was talking, I didn't notice it so much, but others, like my children and my husband, they noticed that I would uh, like turn words around. For example, when my mother, my mother died around that time too, and I said that I'm going to her wedding instead of funeral. Things like this that you wonder where on earth do you get the connection from and it was more than just a little mm -hmm. bit. What about your, your mental acuity? What about your mental um, Well, focus? you wouldn't be able to concentrate for a very long time mm -hmm. and you felt that if you read something concentrated okay. like trying to learn your brain was like blocked. You felt that you know I've come to the limit I can't really go on. Mm -hmm. And what I'm just asking are some of the things that you mm -hmm. experienced such as the tiredness, the you know, that affects her mental attitude, and I'm quite sure that has the emotional stress. Now, we're gonna to try to use this dear lady here, and we have established the fact that, say that these symptoms, and whether they, to me, whether it's CFSS, don't make a difference, but we want to trace, maybe, you know, if you had chronic fatigue syndrome or high blood pressure, we'll go through this process to see how this can be applied to you. And I'm going to ask, a, you know, Aya, right? Is that right? Beautifully correct, yes. Is it right? <laughs> yes. Questions, and we see, is it applicable? And I just want to rehearse, and I, hearing here, we already established disease and the symptoms, and what Aya's experience are nothing but symptoms, right? That's what she experienced. The tiredness, those are symptoms, okay? And we don't want to treat symptoms, so we're going to... Um, go and find out what we're gonna, uh, how we're going to maybe even improve a little more. Mm -hmm. And so we found out from our last meeting there's four things we need to do. we got to trace the cause, change unhelpful conditions, we want to correct wrong habits, and we want to assist nature in the process. You remember those four mm -hmm. steps, okay? That's what we're going to do. So what we're going to 
Uh, we get rid of all of this because we know that we went through these. The wisdom is, you know, we're going to talk about God's plan, educating rather than medication. So I'm going to get to the point. Now, you see up there eight doctors that make house calls. You see that on the screen, yes. right? Now, these doctors, they don't charge anybody. You know that, don't you? They don't send you no bill. You can just invite them. And by the way, they can be with you for a period of time. Okay, eight doctors that make house calls. So we're going to start off with Dr. You know, we're going to start off with Dr. Trust, okay? That's what we're going to look at as we look at the therapeutic value. Now, reason of, let's deal with Dr. Trust. Now you apply this. First of all, we're going to apply trust, which is dealing with stress. Now, first of all, you say you were in Ethiopia, etc. Now, stress. And I'm just going to use something very quickly. On a scale from one to ten. And 10 being the highest, mm. where will you rate your stress level? Um, you mean prior to? Yes. Um, possibly about 5, 7. Okay, 5, 7. I, I know, you know, stress is like if you move a place, if somebody dies, yeah. if somebody gets okay. a disease. All right, we're not going to deal with what you was carrying on your shoulders. Yeah. I'm not going to ask you all of that. Okay, now, now let's see how this would affect her condition. Remember the symptoms. Tiredness. The mental acuity, that means that there was a little bit of, you know, confusion, you know, lethargicness, all right? Feel draining, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, now, stress. Now, I'll just put that on the board, and you be thinking. Stress affects the body in what way that will contribute to a problem? First of all, when we think about energy, energy, oxygen, plus glucose produces energy. I'll say that again. Oxygen plus glucose. You know what glucose is. Mm -hmm. It's the food. Now, if you're eating and you're not producing enough oxygen at a cellular level, the body cannot produce the energy. The brain depends upon glucose. It thrives on glucose. If the brain does not get enough glucose, you have what you call the upper brain and the lower brain. The upper brain is that thinking brain. The lower brain is the animal brain. If there's not enough glucose going around, the lower brain gets the glucose. glucose. And therefore, the upper brain is deprived. That creates a listlessness, confusion. Now, stress affects oxygen because we realize that it would constrict blood vessels. It would produce more fat into the body. And fat decreases oxygen in the body. The more fat, the lower oxygen. Now even though she went into an area that might been, she might have been faced with this problem, but at the same time her body could be predisposed for the onslaught of viral attack also. And so stress will lower the oxygen in her body. Not only that, stress we mentioned will lower, we, outside of uh, digestion, we talk about these neurotransmitters, and you remember she talked about a viral invasion, and I mentioned to you that the cells have receptor sites. And these neurotransmitters, endorphins, plug into these receptor sites that fortify the cells against viral infection. So stress then lowers the immune system. Case in point, there's a text in Proverbs chapter 3. You might be familiar with that. That's even a song, a lot of us. 
Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 through 8. Trust in the Lord with all thy heart. Lean not to thy own understanding, but in all thy ways acknowledge him. He shall direct thy path. Now, look at verse 8. Verse 8 said, it shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. What takes place in the bone marrow? Red blood cells. Yes, ma'am. Red blood cells and white blood cells. Now remember, she's fatigued. Now we're dealing with oxygen. Red blood cells carries oxygen. Don't you, we know that, don't we? Yes. And through the 60,000 miles of blood vessels, they go there through a straight line carrying a cargo of oxygen on the outside. Now, stress produces fat, so now they're going to stick together. Stress affects the bone marrow, so that weakens the production of red blood cells. Even though it might not be as strong indicator, but stress has that type of effect. Oh. <laughs> it's, it's all right, don't worry. He thinks I'm, that I'm you, you're weak. She, she, she's doing better now, Gordon. But just in case you need Thank a seat. Thank you very much. Yeah, you're right. I think we'd have a problem with the mic if I sat down there. No, they know that I'm long-winded. <laughs> I, I, I got these Englishmen together. No, no, just <laughs> so anyway, we'll move on. But you understand stress can facilitate this low energy. Oxygen, mm -hmm. calcium, other things, you know, we, we'll move on. And we're not going to get into the things we talked about, but I'm quite sure this... A, you understand how to deal with a stress level. Am I right? You can move that. Well, I must say that I wasn't, I knew there was a lot of stress, but I wasn't experiencing. I was like the brother here who, on a, on a stress scale, was quite high, but mm -hmm. actually personally felt that you weren't experiencing it. Right. And that was really from being able to, like you said, take it to the Lord. Hmm. And the fact is, the body could be under that stress, it's just the fact that you don't become filled with anxiety. That's a difference, okay? Let's deal with Dr. Air. You're an outdoors person. Um, not too much. <laughs> <laughs> How does oxygen play in, uh, what role does oxygen play in this symptom of tiredness and listlessness? We need the oxygen to get the energy. We need oxygen to facilitate energy. And even though she don't have energy, but a lack of fresh air, outdoors air, we have two types of air. One is called negative ions. You ever heard of that? Mm -hmm. And the other was called what? And which is the best? Negative. Where do we find the negative? Outdoors. The outdoors, the trees, the water, the mountains. And when we live in places with central heat and air conditioning all the time, it destroys the, the negative ions. Therefore, even by just breathing fresh air, now, she might be doing it, might not, but what I want, even though she's on an upswing, but what I want Aya to do now is to incorporate in her program deep breathing exercise. Mm -hmm. You know how to do that, Aya? Um, now, what I want you to do, you little lady, just there. Now, what I want you to do, put your hand across here, okay? Mm -hmm. All right. Now, I want you to inhale through your nose. Inhale. 
Exhale. Inhale. Exhale. All right. Did you you all up front see A your hands? Yeah. Do you all see it? And when she inhale, her stomach go goes out or in? She she's breathing from up here. That's even very interesting. Do it again, A. <laughs> I don't know. Join more energy. Breathing in that. Go ahead. Here, just <laughs> inhale. Inhale through your nose. Just take it. Exhale. All right. Where is she breathing? Mainly from up here, right? Right? Now, she's shallow breathing. That's another problem she has that does not give her the energy she needs. You're breathing up here rather than the diaphragm. Therefore, we're going to have to practice. You look at it. Look at me. Right I'm going to inhale. You see the stomach? When I inhale, what it's doing? All right, watch me again. I'm a thin guy. You should be able to see me. <laughs> see my stomach. Watch my stomach. Watch my stomach. I'm going to inhale. Exhale. Inhale. Which direction my stomach go when I inhale? Out. Out. When I when my stomach go out, there's a diaphragm. It does this. It even exercises your colon. Now, carbon dioxide. We get rid of it. The body gets rid of it. It is a poison. When you breathe up here, you're not getting an equal exchange of oxygen for carbon dioxide. And five quarts of blood is pumped to your lungs to get rid of that carbon dioxide. But if you're not, not you might say, purifying that blood with oxygen, that carbon dioxide is a toxin. That makes you tired. Carbon dioxide makes you tired. So, now, what I want you to do is, we don't have time, I know, but when you lay down tonight, everybody can do this. You lay down tonight, just breathe naturally. And your stomach. Yes, yes. Make sure you got some fresh air. Lay down and breathe and watch your stomach when you inhale. It's going to go out automatically. Going to go out automatically. Then you be conscious of that. Now, you got to get up. You have to re-educate. I'm telling anybody that has fatigue, yes. Okay, when you, when, you, when, you lie, when you lay down at night, it's going to automatically do that. Okay? Oh, yes. You know, if, this, if I had a table and I, and I put AU on the table and I tell her, tell her to inhale, and, and she's not even have to be trying to concentrate, as soon as she inhales, her stomach is going to go out. That's the natural <clears throat> way of breathing. Automatic. Check it tonight. You know? Now, what she has to do now, now she's lying down, she now can become conscious of it. And the brain got to register this information. Then she stands up, and then she got to feel that stomach like filling up a balloon. You got to re-educate yourself. But if you lie down, you're going to automatically do it. So when you get up, you got to now tell yourself, stomach, and you're going to inhale through the nostril, and you're going to push that stomach out. Now, oxygen cocktail. 
It will take a little time, but you will get it. If I had time, well, I can, we can show you. But what I want you to do, you need to deep breathe. It's going to improve. And you do this every day with some fresh air. You get out there, you fill it up, count to maybe 20 counts if you can handle it. Are you following me? Then let it out like this. Then push it out. Then go back again. Hold it. Then let it out. Push out. Repeat that six to ten times a day. Deep breathing exercise. When we do that with our clients at our health center, it lowers the blood pressure, increases oxygen. You need oxygen. Are you following me? Just a question. That would exercise in vigorous, like trying to jog or something Let's like get to, that. We'll, we'll come to that. Would that automatically bring about the good way of breathing? Now, let us wait till we get to doctor exercise. All right, so A, you do not spend a lot of time outdoors. She said that. Um, or do you? <laughs> I, I said I wasn't an outdoor person. But you do spend time. I do spend time, yes. Outdoors every day, yes. good. And like the, when this condition took place, yeah, no problem. Um, you know, we lived in Ethiopia and we had the doors, windows yeah. open all the time, good. so you had fresh air so, in the house constantly. So dealing with this problem, outdoor air is every day, because most women mm. don't spend a lot of time outdoors like men. But that's good. Outdoor, fresh air. We find here every cell in the body must breathe to stay alive. You remember this? We trace it to the cells. And these guys says, standing here at the table, I know we're all starving for oxygen, but there just isn't enough in the bloodstream to meet our daily needs. So we got to increase that. That's what's going to help the fatigue. One essential function of the red blood cell is to transport carbon dioxide away from the cell. A is not breathing properly, therefore she got to increase her breathing apparatus. Con a, th th you, your lungs contain 300 million ass sacs, handle five quarts of blood per minute, and listen to this, it discharges 30 quarts of carbon dioxide every hour. Now remember, if that carbon dioxide is not expelled, it will pollute the blood. Are you following me? Now, We'll see other things that reduce the oxygen. Let's move on. So we talk about deep breathing, no tight things. You know, people wonder why I wear suspenders. And there's nothing wrong wearing belts, but, you know, I like to wear loose things because I'm a slim guy. If I wore um, uh, suspenders, I mean belts, it compresses. So if those men who wear belts, leave a little room. You find what I'm saying? So it can breathe. Because when you pull that belt too tight, it compresses the delicate organs down there, and your body cannot expand. You remember ladies in the 1800 used to wear these corsets, and they used to tie them on the bedpost, and, and they want this hourglass shape. You know, John Harvey Kellogg had a book. He was a very famous doctor. He had a picture of a woman's liver that was split in two from wearing those tight corsets. So you don't want to wear, you know, you know real tight laces. And so... Oxygen plus glucose produce energy. That's even help a diabetic or hypo, hypoglycemic. Lack of oxygen, you see, it first affects the higher center of the brain. That's why you were talking about mental problems. The brain uses 20 to 25 percent oxygen. I know you're improving now, but you don't. You don't. You don't call. <laughs> you don't uh, mix words now, do you? You know, like you said, wedding well, and funeral. probably about as much as the average person. Maybe a bit more sometimes. <laughs> yeah. And so remember, oxygen, deep breathing, fresh air is very important. Lack of fresh air retards digestion. 
Even though she's eating good food, she might be eating good food, but if that food is not being processed, it will putrefy or ferment. If food ferment, it produces alcohol. And if it produces alcohol, it will reduce oxygen in the body. So oxygen destroys a wide variety of bacteria, thereby strengthening the immune system. Hmm? Oxygen, just fresh air. This is not for a, this is for those who have cancer. See, cancer cells will die in a high oxygen environment. The blood moves sluggishly through the system when it's not purified and vitalized, vitalized by oxygen. Shallow breathing air leads to what? Fatigue, exhaustion, anemia, and depression. Did you know that? Shallow breathing, especially if you already have a problem. Is that a good tip you can use in deep breathing exercise? Mm -hmm. Praise God. At least we learn, at least I help you with one thing, at least. <laughs> and so in proper breathing, the abdomen expands to full capacity, breathing through the nose and out through the mouth. You know, that's what I was trying to show you, deep breathing. Let's move on quickly. Doctor exercise. You exercise, ain't you? Yes, I would say so. Okay. Not a lot of vigorous exercise. Now, exercise, aerob aerobic exercise, that means increases the oxygen. Mm -hmm. Now, <clears throat> exercise is not on a job, moving from one place to another, going upstairs. That's good activity. You, that's good. But when we talk about cardiovascular, we're talking about 30 to 40 minutes of continuous movement to have the positive impact on the cardiovascular system. So that means a continuous movement for 30 to 40 minutes, not stopping and stooping and building, which is good. But we're talking about exercise that are going to increase the cardiovascular system. 30 to 40 minutes. If you're not used to doing that, don't start off trying to do something intense, but gradually build up to that. 30, 40 minutes exercise, do you do that a day? Good. More or less. Yeah. More or less. What type of exercise do you do? Um, mainly walking. That would fall into that category. Okay. She walked. Very good. Now, she mentioned something about like jogging. Uh, you know, Jesus said in Luke 13, 33, I must walk today and tomorrow and the day following. I would say you walk daily. Sometimes you rode the donkey, but I believe Jesus walked more than riding. I believe Jesus was physically fit. He had to be. So walking is the best form of exercise. Why is walking the best form of exercise? Number one, you can deep breathe in walking. When you're running, you hyperventilate. Are you following what I'm saying? Can I get exchanged? But walking, you can deep breathe, your shoulders back, your head erect, your pulse is calm, your brain is relaxed, and every muscle in the body, every bone is used in walking. But when you're running, there's high impact, especially women. When a woman runs track, it affects their iron level. Iron can be decreased in women who run track. I work with women who have done that. Running and being an athlete, can you imagine jumping in the air six, maybe three or four feet? And now this floor is not real hard, but a basketball floor coming down even at that time they didn't have Air Jordan shoes only thing we had what we call Converse shoes but can you imagine the impact it had on the joints so running is not the best form of exercise walking so you do it like that 
Um, just a question. Why would it deplete iron in women? We find that, and she, she mentioned why it depletes iron. Iron has an affinity to attract oxygen. Now, women has a greater need for iron than men because, you know, of their reproductive situation, because of their menstrual situation, okay? And we find that iron also is necessary for the body to metabolize food. Iron and calcium work together. And we find that as we put the, the intense of running, the hyperventilating, Now, when you hyperventilate, what does that do to your oxygen level? Think. Uh, you, you would think that it... Um... It only strengthens, but see, remember now, you've got to get a good exchange of carbon dioxide with oxygen. Mm -hmm. Now, hyperventilation, when you hyperventilate, it produces carbon dioxide. Mm -hmm. It doesn't give you exchange for oxygen. It's just like, you know, when a person is, is going through a stroke, you, you give a, you know, you, uh, have a, what, a, a, a heart attack? Oh, no, they have a light stroke. You get a brown paper bag and that they can breathe in to produce the carbon dioxide just to stimulate them a little bit. And so the more you hyperventilate, you're producing this carbon dioxide, which definitely negates the oxygen. So now the red blood cells, it has affinity of tracting oxygen. So now you got more red blood cells got to come to compensate for that. Are you following what I'm saying? Yeah. And so that been to decrease your iron level because you are now having a negative response on your oxygen level. And that is one of the reasons why it does decrease that. Now with women, because women require more, because women also through the monthly cycle, do they lose a lot of blood? So that makes them more predisposed of having more of an iron deficiency than men. Okay? Let's move on. So, for those who might have osteoporosis or any other bones, but walking helps to maintain your calcium balance. If you do not walk, you're going to have a calcium imbalance. Calcium is stored in the long bones. 99% hmm? of your calcium it's in the long bone. 1% is in the blood. When the blood becomes too acid, then the body will take calcium from the long bones. Walking is necessary to maintain calcium. If you don't exercise, you're going to have a calcium problem. So she doesn't walk. A little exercise each day will keep us fit. Exercise lowers the resting pulse rate. We know that, okay? Exercise charges. That's what we need, don't we? We need our brain to be charged. It says, brain and nerve cells with electrical energy for better balance between the voluntary and autonomic, uh, autonomic nervous system. That's what exercise does, that walking. And that's what is needed with this fatigue. Well, those who have this problem, exercise will help lose fat. We know that. Exercise produces more energy than it uses. Hmm? Exercise. No way, can you explain that? What? Exercise produces more energy than it uses. All right. It produces energy. It produces energy. Now, we find that oxygen, remember, it's going to increase oxygen level. And it's going to produce the energy. We think we're getting, if you get tired of exercise, it's not the fact that the exercise is wearing you out. And even if you have not exercised and start exercising and start feeling aches and pain, that's a good sign that your body is coming alive. 
And the more you do it, you will increase your energy. I guarantee you, the more you exercise, the more energy you will have. Can I just insert here? That seems to be a problem, though, with the with the ME or the chronic fatigue syndrome. I understand. That the more you do something, you just... I mean, now I'm much better, like I said. But, you know, just doing little things made you absolutely, you know, wiped you out. Do you know why? For a long time. Now, you know why? No, I don't. Because I work with those yeah. situations. You see, we find that the body goes through what we call a healing crisis. Mm -hmm. There's a disease crisis, which say the CFS, you have and there's a healing crisis. This is why that when you get into God's plan, you know, you don't, if you never exercise, you don't jump in and do five miles the first time. Mm -hmm. I find that with this ME or the CFS, when that person is able to do a little bit every day, every day, We've seen people recover. I'm not going to deal with mind over matter. But the, there's a mental struggle. This is why the power of God has to come into this situation. That you register in your mind that I need a little some exercise. And even though you might feel wiped out, but the next day, then the next day. Now, you exercise it now, right? Oh, yes. But prior to that, you had problems, right? Um. Well, I, I was, I've been pushing myself all the time. Well, that's all right. So, it, no, no, I mean, <laughs> I, I think to the point of that probably has been maybe beneficial. I've been resting as well. you got to rest um, and you have to, you have to assert yourself. Yes. Because most people with this problem, they yeah. register in their mind that they wiped out. They're not going to do anything. Okay. They allow their mind to take, I mean, they allow their body to control the mind. The body said, look, you're tired, you got this ME, you don't need no exercise. Mm -hmm. I'm serious. Mm -hmm. And it's not mind on matters that the body rules, the mind rules the body. Mm -hmm. Endorphins going to increase. See, exercise stimulates the production of endorphins, increasing the threshold for pain and providing relaxed sense of well-being. A little exercise. There's a little statement here of the son talking to the father. Look at it this way, Dad. If you had not exercised this morning... That would hurt a lot more and you wouldn't be as calm as you are. Just a little saying. But exercise increases the endorphin level. Okay? Exercise is going to help digestion, promote intestinal activity, thus reducing gas and constipation. For those who have poor digestion, poor bowel elimination, exercise is the key. It's better than X lax and tongues. Exercise improves control of blood glucose. If there is hypoglycemic, Exercise would improve glucose level. So this is why even though if Aya was debilitated, which she's not, but she's having a problem, I can see where she's incapacitated, but she can walk. Even if she walked from, from this point to the back room, that is an improvement. That would be a beneficial outdoors. Are you following what I'm saying? And if you add another step, that's important. But you can't go to bed at 12 o'clock and expect to exercise. It's got to be a balance. We'll see that in a moment. We're going to move on quickly here. Dr. Sunshine, since you're an outdoors person, I'm quite sure you get sunshine. Now, whenever it's shining in England, <laughs> that sun in England, that smiles on your lovely face. <laughs> the sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wing. Now, sunshine, even though the clouds, there is some sun out here. And now, the benefit of sunlight. It says, if you understood 
Or if you if sunlight wasn't free and could be bottled, you would buy it every day once you realized the benefit. That was a very inter that was a doctor. He's dead now. Wrote a very lovely book. His name was Dr. Zane Kine. He was a Seventh Day Adventist. He wrote a book. The book is about twenty years of twenty years old. Called Sunlight. Very good book. When I first saw it, I thought it was into spiritualism. That's why I didn't touch it. But maybe a year later, I picked it up. Very good book. But you know some of the information. Sunlight, well, this is for those who got blood pressure problem. Sunlight would even decrease your cholesterol. You know that, don't you? How does it do that? Sunlight, now this is not for Aya, but it's just for I'm giving them a bonus here. Sunlight uses cholesterol that's in the body, that's housed in the skin, to make vitamin D. Hmm? So it pulls sunlight to make vitamin D, so therefore the excess cholesterol will decrease, and therefore it helps your cholesterol. We've had people, cholesterol drop down almost 5 to 20 points being exposed to the sunlight. We'll tell you how to do that in a moment. So you know vitamin D is necessary for calcium. There's that oxygen again. Sunlight increases the oxygen level in the blood, even enabling the body to use glucose. Sunlight, which is necessary for, for her condition because if there is a viral infection, in every condition, the liver is involved. The liver is the most important organ in the body. It might process between 50 to 100 different chemical processes to dealing with her, even her problem. You're talking about hormones. You're talking about, you know, um, storing glucose. It's talking about um, uh, regulating the thyroid gland. It works with the uh, adrenal glands, which I'm quite sure she might have had a little stressed out of adrenal glands when she was going through a little stress, even though she didn't sense it. But the liver is stimulated by the sun. The white blood cell count is increased through the sunlight. What she definitely need as she fight this battle, as she improve, the immune system must be strengthened. Sunlight does that. Sunlight will prevent infection and kill germs. We understand that. Sunlight stimulates, has stimulation of the pituitary gland, the master gland. The hypothalamus, the hypothalamus regulates your appetite, tells you you're full. It regulates your heart. It regulates your, all your sensuality, your, 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 your desires. Your pineal gland and neurotransmitters. That's what sunlight does. Sunlight stimulates the pineal gland to produce melatonin. You know what melatonin is, Aya? Um, something in the brain. <laughs> something in the brain. A chemical in the brain. Anybody know what the melatonin is? It is. It is a chemical in the brain. It's a neurotransmitter. It's a hormone. Melatonin. And in the United States, I don't know what they do here in England, but but in the United States, in the health food store, they are packaging melatonin, tonin. And people are buying melatonin. See, melatonin, we'll come to this in a moment when we get to uh, sleep. See, melatonin is a hormone that helps you to sleep. 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 We'll come back to that. So how much sunlight you need a day? 15 minutes a day. Now, you can get in the sunlight, but even if you can sit in the sunlight, expose your hand or your face. That's all it need. Now, on a nice warm day, if it get warm in England, I've never been here when it's warm, but if it get warm, and if you had a private place, I'm serious, you had a private place 
we do that in our center. Private place, nobody can see you. And I'm saying just strip off. You're not sun tanning the sun, you know, get a suntan. Strip off. You can and lay in the sun 15 minutes on your front, 15 minutes on the back. It has several, like I said, the cholesterol, even for diabetic, the we find that the energy level, the liver, just 15 minutes. Now, the best time to be exposed to the sun is this. I'm going to give you two, th two principles. You must, before 10 o'clock a.m. in the morning and after 4.30 p.m. in the evening. Now, if you cannot remember that, if your shadow, your shadow is as tall as you are, that's the best time to get in the sun. Because the ultraviolet lights is not as intense. Can you remember that? That I mean, it's nothing wrong with going outdoors, but I'm saying just to, you know, people work in intense heat with no protection on. Australia has the highest skin cancer rate in the world. They sun gods. They love that beach. 12 o'clock, straight up. Where are the cows at 12 o'clock? In the shade, chewing the cud. All right, let's move on. Okay, we got to finish it. Proper rest. Doctor rest. What time do you go to bed normally? Um, between 9 and 10. Hmm, that's a good time. You've always done that. Um, no. <laughs> that's normally. Hmm? 9 and 10. Yeah. We'll see how this works. Now, this is just a Sabbath day bonus here. Remember the day of rest and talk about Sabbath day. You know, there have been tests of examined people pulse rate. And they have found out on the Sabbath day, their pulse is lower on the Sabbath. Did you know that? It's not because you give it as the blessing in the Sabbath. It is lower. All right, let's move on. The sleep of a labor man is sweet. Physical exercise promote restful sleep. Ecclesiastes 5, 12. Uh, let's go back there. I know time this... Now, people say, how much sleep? How much sleep do we need? Let's see. It says the amount of sleep needed depends on the age. I hope that'll change. Sometimes that takes time. It says the amount of sleep needed for good health differs with age. Newborn babies sleep 6 to 20 hours a day. Young children sleep 10 to 12 hours. By the age of 40, most adults need 6 to 7 hours. After 40, there's a slight increase needed until 70 when the need declines. And so the average adult can go on at least 6 hours of sleep. Okay? Therefore, rest is healing. Get boosts. Let's move on. Long sleep cannot be recovered. It's gone for eternity. Somebody said, can you make up sleep? You cannot make up sleep. No way. The best time sleep is that your meal should be four to five hours before going to bed. You do that, don't you? I try to. Oh, she tried to. <laughs> okay. Because that interferes with sleep. At night, the liver synthesizes protein. At night, I mean, the, the body synthesizes protein, and at night, the liver cleanses. So when you go to bed on a, on a full stomach, your body doesn't rest. I know you don't drink coffee, so don't worry about that. It is vain for you to rise up early and to sit up late. You know that scripture, don't you? The fact is, to stay up late and get up early, it has adverse effect upon the body. 
In daylight hours, the pineal gland synthesizes serotonin. Serotonin affects our behavior. In the absence of light, it converts serotonin to melatonin. Tonin. The serotonin level falls and the melatonin level rises at night. The balance between serotonin and melatonin seems to affect mood and other physiological function. That's why we need to be in bed between the hours of 9 and 10 o'clock, no later than 10.30. That's why it's stated that one hour of sleep before midnight is equal to two hours of sleep after midnight. So if you go to bed at midnight, you can forget it. All right, let's move on. Lots of water. How much water do you drink? Probably about six glasses. Six glasses. Yeah. All right, six glasses. We see that water is essential for every body process. For her fatigue, water is necessary. All body functions need water. If you and I did not have any kidneys, I told you, we have to drink 800 glasses of water a day. And this, I'm not going to spend time, but this gives you the reason why we have to drink 800 glasses of water a day. The kidneys are an amazing recycling center. And only one and a half quarters excreted, so we got to replace that water by drinking. We find those who have arthritis, if you don't drink water, you're going to have squeaky joints. Dehydration can set in. Water helps maintain the temperature. Water helps to be, keep you alert. It affects the brain. Depression, irritability may be largely due to the lack of water. <coughs> the brain needs water. Helps you to think clearly. Fight infection. That's water. Now, the way you drink water in that sheet, it tells you take your body weight in pounds and divide that by two. That gives you the ounces. Okay? That's what it says there. Now, if you're dealing with uh, kilos, you, I guess you divide that by 16. 16 into your, if you weigh 63 kilos, divide that into 16, that gives you the number of glasses of water, what I call eight ounces of water. So how much do you weigh? Um, probably about 100, should I give it in kilos? Give me pounds, pounds, make it quicker. Probably about 115. All right, so you divide two and 115, and that gives you what? Probably maybe... Uh, you got about 57, 50, 57 and a half, uh, 57, 57 and a half ounces, divide 57 by 8, that roughly give you something like maybe 7 glasses of water, minimum. Now, because you got that little fatigue, you cannot go lower than 7 glasses, but you can improve. Are you following what I'm saying? The best way to start, you know, drink two glasses of water in the morning, warm water. You ever take little warm baths, hot and cold showers? Mm -hmm. You know, that stimulates you a lot. That's good. Yeah. Epsom salt baths. You ever had Epsom salt baths? Yeah. you know what Epsom salt is? Yes, you have a bathtub? Most people just got showers. Yeah. You have a bathtub? Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's good to take a good Epsom salt bath. You know what Epsom salt is. It has magnesium sulfate that neutralizes the acid. So put two cups, maybe once a week, two cups of Epsom salt in warm water and sit there for 20 to 30 minutes. Does it open the pores of the skin? It opens up the pores yeah. and it neutralizes the acid and therefore it will breathe. All right, we need to go now. Dr. Temperance. I know you're a temperance lady. Temperance means self-control. Abstain from that which is what? And do that which is good in moderation. You eat between meals? 
I try not to. She tries. Once in a while. Okay. <laughs> so I fall for the temptation. Now you know what that does to the yes, body. I you do. know that also drains energy. The more you eat, the more energy it requires. Are you following what I'm saying? All right. Mm-hmm. Um, you like sugar? I do. Okay. Yes, but I, I, you know, try to restrain myself there as well. Okay. How does sugar contribute to your problem? What do you think? My wife, you, was here, you were um, here for my wife. Well, obviously, it, um, it, it um, destroys some of the white bacteria or inhibits White blood their cells. Action. Yeah. Sugar lowers the oxygen in your blood. Okay? Sugar mm-hmm. decreases your immune system. Sugar causes calcium to be depleted. Now, if you mix sugar with milk, but you don't drink milk, do you? No. Okay. But anybody that's mixed sugar with milk might as well drink alcohol. Because sugar and milk together produces alcohol. I work with people that have had cirrhosis of the liver and never drink alcohol in their life. But this person loved ice cream and cake. He ate it every night. I'm serious. Now, you're going to have to pray for victory over sugar bowl people because they're going to continue to contribute to your problem. Now, I know you don't eat white bread, but I tell people, whiter the bread, sooner you're dead. (laughs) And I just want to throw this in. Do you know rats, rats would not eat white bread? Now, if you got a little thing, you got a little furry guy running around your house, prove it. Get you some Wonder Bread, Wonder Wonder Bread, whatever white bread you got here in this country. Get you some white bread, put it on a rat trap, and see where you catch it. You would never catch it. Better put a little peanut butter on it. You see, they began to process this bread because rats were eating the whole grain. But when they processed the bread and made it into a white flour, the rats would not eat white flour. They would not eat it. And they do not function like you and I function. We're made in God's image. But rats know there's no nutrients in the white bread. So therefore, B vitamins, you need that for your central nervous system. That's what sugar does. So think about that. Pray about that sugar, okay? Affection. Love chocolate? Well, I do, but I don't eat it. <laughs> Just like sugar, I'm not actually having a okay. problem with it. But I do okay. like this stuff, but, you know, <laughs> like probably a lot of people are here because of <laughs> but health reasons. But she's honest, she's honest. Just, we don't you know, eat them. <laughs> we already talked about chocolate and how it yeah. affects. Very good, very good. You know, I'm going to skip. I, I know that I'm going to skip this rat situation. I need to move on. Let me, because you've seen the rat already. So let me try to... Uh, it's very good, though, the rat. Huh? It's very good, the rat. Thank you. But I know I'm going to skip this rat. Do you drink cow milk? Me? Yes. No. All right, let's Soy skip milk. That. Let's skip that for a moment. Let me do something for my friends here. I know my time is But I, need, I want to do this for a moment. Do you eat ice cream? No. Okay. Now, for those who might like ice cream, look what's in your ice cream here. Diethylglucol, a cheap chemical used as an emulsifier, thus replacing eggs. It is identically the same chemical used in antifreeze and paint removal. Okay? This is just for my... Ethyl acetate, used for pineapple flavor. If you like pineapple flavor, it is also used as cleaning of leather and textiles. Its vapors are known cause of chronic lung, liver, and heart damage. Amyl acetate used for banana flavor is also used as oil paint solvent. 
aldehyde C17, which is part of the formaldehyde family, embalming fluid, etc. Used for cherry ice cream. When not used for ice cream, it is an inflammable liquid using analyzed dyes, plastic, and rubber. Now, if you'd like to, you know, fax me, call me, I would be glad to send a printout of this information to you. No problem. Benzyl acetate, used for strawberry flavor, a nitrate solvent, which is definitely carcinogenic. Butyraldehyde, used in nut flavor ice cream and rubber cement. And the last one, piperinol, used as a substitute for vanilla, is also a chemical used for killing lice. So when you think about that store-bought ice cream, think about it as antifreeze, lice killer paint solvent, leather cleanser, you name it, okay? Now, she don't do this, but I just want to show you a picture. You're, that's an outhouse. Hmm? You remember the outhouse? She don't do it. I just like it. You remember the fly in the outhouse? You remember the, 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 the frog eating the fly going into the outhouse? You remember the snake eating the frog that eat the fly that goes in the outhouse? You remember you and I that used to eat the pig, which eat the snake that eat the frog that eat the fly that goes in the outhouse? And there you, there's the man is eating that, you see? Anyway, that was just something to keep you going for a while. Let's move on. The last one, Dr. Nutrition. All right. What do you eat, my friend? You eat breakfast? Yeah. Every morning? Yes. Okay. What do you eat? Just give me a... What do you eat for breakfast? Um, well, it could be cereal. I'm cereals, usually. Cold the, cereal, cooked cereal? Both. Depends. Which one you eat the most of? Um, cooked. Cooked. Name? Um, porridges. And, um, well, I, we like to make, like, you know, we mix soya, um, soybeans and put whole barley in the oven. You can also do that with other grains. Mm. And then eat that with some fruit. Okay. So what you things have? things like waffles. Huh? Waffles. Waffles. Okay. And I notice here and most people... And also Weetabix and cornflakes. Okay. okay. I know most people <clears throat> eat the grains with a lot of porridge. <clears throat> There's nothing wrong with porridge. And I just tell people that you want to also, when you eat the porridge, you've got to have something that's going to cause you to chew. Mm -hmm. And most porridge don't, do not encourage chewing. Yeah. And that affects your digestive system. A lot of liquid, mushy food does not strengthen your digestive mm -hmm. system. Very important to understand that. Okay, you know about the glad diet and the sad diet. So we won't go through all of that. Let me ask this. That what do you have for lunch? Um, well, something... Uh -huh. Obviously, I'm vegan, so it would be fresh, you know, fruits. For lunch? Oh, sorry, sorry, vegetables. Okay, you eat green vegetables? Greens. Do you yes. eat a lot of nuts? Um, fair when amount, I, not a lot. What nuts do you eat the most of? Um, I like almonds the best. Good. Okay, that's good. Almonds are your, it is your best nut. It's more alkaline. You know, eight to ten almonds a day would probably be the best as far as protein. You have your almonds, your hazelnut, those are the two best nuts. Then your walnuts, which is high in omega-6 uh, fatty acid. Uh, then come your pecans. And I rank, I, I, I rank cashews at the bottom of the total pole, unless we use cashews for cheese. But I would not eat cashews every day. But your almonds are your best. Okay? I beg your pardon? Uh, if you got an expensive purse, you can buy them. 
expensive purse. They cost a lot of money. But they, macadamias, unless you, I go to New Zealand, I get macadamias all day because they grow them over in New Zealand. But to go to the grocery store to buy, I'm sorry, brother. I can't afford macadamias. <laughs> now, I'm not going to ask this question, but I'm going to say something. We got constipation up here. Now, let me share something, and we're coming up to a close. For every meal you eat, you must have a bowel movement. If you eat three meals a day, you must have three bowel movements. Now, what am I saying? If you have three meals and only have one bowel movement a day, you multiply that three meals times seven, that's 21 meals a week. One bowel movement times seven, that's seven bowel movements. Subtract it from 21, that's 14 bowel movements unaccounted for. <laughs> now, I sit around and talk to my doctor friends about this, and they don't think it's serious. And I'm not saying she had a problem, but I just want to bring this out just in case there's a problem. And so what happens with those 14 unaccounted for bowel movements? Most of us, even though we could be thin, heavy, a lot of us carry almost 30 pounds of waste in our body. It's either stored here, stored here, stored here. And we find that without those bowel movements, the liver is affected because when the food is digested, it goes to the liver through the, what we call the portal vein system. And the liver must be, it's like the gatekeeper. And then it sends it to the heart, and thus it distributes into the bloodstream. So if there's a buildup of waste in the body, the blood becomes polluted, the cells become polluted, and there are disease conditions. Could be tiredness, could be arthritis, etc. What if you have too many? Well, too many, then you, when you say, let's give me specific, what you mean too many, and then I can tell you. If you have five in one morning, we find that there is definitely a problem with, you know, most people have what they call um, uh, a problem with the with ileocecum valve. Is it, if it, if it all depends, if it's solid or loose. Now, if you got five hard bowel movements, that's interesting. It has to be loose having that many. That is not healthy. The intestinal flora has been disturbed. Then you have a problem with your, with, with your colon, with the peristalsis. And at the same time, you could have a condition uh, called irritable bowel syndrome. Sometimes it goes to constipation. Sometimes it goes into diarrhea. That can be remedy. That is abnormal. A bowel movement, three times every, for every meal, it has some shape, kind of shape of the colon a little bit. It's either going to float or sink. <laughs> Usually a healthy bowel will float for a little while, then it will sink. Why will it float for a little while? That will tell you that you have a lot of fiber in your diet. If you have a bowel movement, it's a kapoop. <laughs> I know I'm American. I know that you English folk probably won't invite me again. I understand. <laughs> I understand that. I know the queen won't invite me. But see, we got a problem here. <laughs> Are you following me? I'm letting you know what you look for. See, when those brothers and sisters was in, in the wilderness, God said you go abroad, relieve yourself, and look back. You need to know what's coming out. 
But if it go directly to the bottom of the stew, it's a lot of undigested proteins and very little fiber, and you got a lot of bacteria in your colon. And if it's loose, if it's loose, you're losing electrolytes, especially potassium. Therefore, the question was asked, how do you rectify the lack of bowel movement? Simply, we find definitely more fiber. And remember, you got to have food. See, bowel, your, your, your colon is not stimulated through your emotions. It's stimulated, number one, through activity, through, first of all, through chewing. The more you chew, you increase 20 to 30 times your peristalsis. That's number one. If you bite and swallow, you have a problem. You remember at the table I said you need to drink your food and chew your liquid. That doesn't mean you sit there and count a hundred times, but your food must become liquid because your stomach does not have teeth. So chewing. Exercise. You know, it's best to, you know, mildly walk after meals and have a good exercising program. Water intake must increase. Okay? We need to have a calm atmosphere because stress will stop your digestion, will cut your bowels off. Stress will do that. Okay? Eating late, heavy meals at night will affect the problem. Okay? Now, if you need a little boost, then, you know, sometimes you can add a little bit of, you know, ground-up linseed, tablespoon of that, you know, every meal, linseed, we call it flaxseed, just add it to it. That helps. Linseeds are more of a fiber. It's not laxative. It's more fiber. And that's what I tell people. And if they really chronic constipated, then, too, sometimes I use a, a herbal formula. But I'm saying most constipation can be can be uh, solved by regularity in eating. If you don't have a regular schedule eating, you, like if you eat breakfast maybe at 8 o'clock one time and then skip breakfast and maybe at 10, it throws your whole biological clock off. you got to be as regular as possible with your eating because if you, unless you fast, and now you find what I'm saying, those are some of the things you can improve constipation. Yeah.